Hey friends, welcome to The Ruins, a podcast about the journey of faith. My name is Joseph, and today we are doing something a little bit different. We have been talking to some amazing guests over the last few episodes, but as I've been processing everything that's been happening in our life over the last few months, I just wanted to offer a few thoughts for those who have or will experience spiritual abuse. Today is a unique day in the Peterson calendar. Today marks the three-year anniversary of when I got fired and excommunicated from the megachurch I was working at in Vancouver, British Columbia. On this day, exactly three years ago, I hopped on the train, rode for about 30 minutes, got off at Pacific Center Station, and walked the few blocks in downtown Vancouver into work. At the time, I was a youth pastor, and after spending months and months trying to hold the leadership of our community accountable for their rampant abuse and toxic leadership, things had reached their breaking point. So on that day, I walked into my office, and within a span of a 15-minute meeting with the elders, I had been accused of sowing division and threatening the health of the church and was fired on the spot effective immediately. In what seemed like a matter of minutes, my office was cleaned out, my email was deleted, keys were turned in, I was forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement and ushered out of the building while being told that me and my family were prohibited from coming on the church property again. They shut the door behind me and I was standing outside on the rainy sidewalk in downtown Vancouver with all my books and belongings having no idea what to do. It was by far the most horrific and abusive and hurtful and traumatic thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. Nicole and I actually shared a little bit more about our story of spiritual abuse back in episode 22, but today I wanted to take a different angle on our experience. Instead of talking through the actual experience, I wanted to think back and reflect and make space for a few lessons I've learned in the three years of recovering from that experience. Now, of course, this is just my experience. Nicole would probably give a different set of lessons that she's learned. And if you've ever experienced spiritual trauma, I'm sure you would have your own. Because everyone's experience and situation is different, and your story is, of course, your story. But through therapy and spiritual direction and a very weird-looking prayer life and currently being back in pastoral ministry— My perspective on the situation has changed dramatically over the last few years. My thoughts may even be different three years from now, but as I've said before, I want this podcast to sort of be a live look at our own journey of faith. So with that being said, today on our three-year fireversary, here are five lessons that I've learned since that horrific day in 2019. First, it doesn't get easier. Now, that might not be the most encouraging way to start, but it's true. My life, my faith, the job search, how I think about God and my marriage, my family has not gotten any easier since getting fired and leaving evangelicalism. Grief doesn't really work like that. It's not like I just forgot about what happened and moved on with the rest of my life. It's a lot more complicated and nuanced than that. I have good days and I have bad days. Sometimes I go a week or two without thinking about it, but other days I wake up in a sweat in the middle of the night thinking about those awful meetings and the elders and the foggy memories of conversations and how traumatic the entire experience was. 
It ebbs and flows depending on what else is happening in my life at any given moment. And it's impossible to anticipate what will trigger me at any given moment. So at least for me, things haven't gotten any easier. That being said, I have grown in my awareness of myself and my capability to process my emotions and feelings in a healthier way, but that doesn't mean it's easy. It's still hard. I still get discouraged. I still have regrets. I miss living in Vancouver. I miss the friends that I had. I miss a lot about the life we used to live. So even though I've grown in my ability to process things, I've learned that it doesn't get easier. I just get better at managing emotions when they surface, which honestly is a hard lesson that I feel like I have to keep learning. So first, it doesn't get easier. Second, time away from church and ministry was invaluable for me. When I got fired, we ended up moving to Portland, Oregon, and since I couldn't find work, I ended up working at a mall selling mattresses. That time of ironing pillowcases and crying during my lunch breaks in the food court and working retail hours were ironically invaluable in my spiritual journey. Since I had everything taken from me, I had nothing left to fall back on. Because I got fired from a church, as opposed to leaving on my own accord, my reputation and ministry accolades and plans and influence and connections and future in those circles were gone forever. And I had to really consider who I was at the core of my being. Not who I was as a pastor or a preacher or a leader or on stage or with other people or in my family or anything else. Who was Joseph to Joseph? Who was I without the pulpit, without the influence, without the reputation, without the ministry clout? Could I be a happy person? Could I be happy if I was never a pastor again? Could I be happy if I never, quote, made it in church? These are all incredibly deep and vulnerable questions that I don't think I ever would have asked unless I was forced to. And ironically, the minute that I got to the place where I was like, okay, you know what? I think I could never be a pastor again and I would be fully at peace and content with who I am and what my life looks like. As soon as I got to that place, COVID hit and Nicole and I both lost our jobs again. And it was back to the, what is the purpose of my life drawing board? It has truly been a roller coaster to say the least. But those days and weeks and months and years away from church were absolutely essential to my spiritual growth as a person. I needed to get away from the politics of church, the church talk, the whiteness of church, the capitalism of church, the colonialism of church, the misogyny of church. I was forced away from all of it. And through that journey, I was able to develop a fresh perspective on things and discover a fresh, for me, way of thinking about things. I started reading and learning from people that I never would have had I stayed in white evangelicalism. Because of what happened, slowly over time, I sort of lost the desire to fit in with any denomination or church model or network. I began to learn a fresh and again new to me perspective and insight on faith from the likes of womanist theologians queer and trans theologians, abolitionists, activists, liberation and indigenous theologians, and so many more, and in so doing, began to recapture my dream of what faith and church could look like. 
But that never would have happened in the old system. And since I used to be so committed to the work of the old system, I don't think I ever would have left it on my own. My spiritual director disagrees with me and thinks that I would have left eventually because I'm an eight on the Enneagram, but I guess we'll never know because I was fired anyways. But if some pastor or ministry leader ever came to me and asked what I thought was the best way to prepare for the future of pastoral ministry, I would tell that person that one, it's essential to divest and decolonize from white supremacy, but two, Leave the church and ministry altogether for at least 18 months and see what happens in your life. Because at least in my experience, time away from church and ministry was absolutely invaluable for me. So first, it doesn't get easier. Second, time away from church and ministry was invaluable for me. Third, suffering is never part of God's plan. In the first few months after being fired, the only question I was asking myself and others is why would God let this happen? It's a common question for people experiencing grief, and for me, it did not help my journey at all. I used to think that God was in control of everything and that everything that happened was part of some cosmic plan for good. And if something bad happened to you, God had placed it there to work something beautiful in your life. But I'm learning more and more. That's a horrific way of viewing God. It is steeped in a manipulative and abusive theology, and it's just not how God works. God never ordains evil. God never plans for evil to happen. And if something evil ever does happen in the world, it is outside of God's will. God's will is never for evil or suffering or injustice or abuse. Ever. Never. God's will can only ever be love and justice and liberation and peace, always. So I don't believe that what happened to me and my family was part of some divine plan to get us out of Vancouver or to teach me a lesson or to rid me of pride or anything like that. I don't believe in that kind of God. And if suffering is part of God's plan for the world, then I want absolutely nothing to do with that God. If God wills suffering in my life in order to teach me lessons, then that God is just a divine example of what we as humans do to each other, and I just can't believe in that kind of God. Now, I have seen times where God continues to be near and present and good, but that is despite my suffering, not because of it. Makes me think of that passage in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about the reign of God on earth and compares God to a parent who gives good gifts. Jesus says, Which of you, if your child asks for bread, will give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, will give them a snake? If you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? That is my starting place. That God is good. God is love. God gives good gifts. And anything outside of that framework, for me, goes outside the will of God, which leads me to believe that suffering is never part of God's plan. Now, these last two lessons that I've learned are more positive lessons, so hopefully you leave this episode feeling encouraged. These two lessons have also been essential in my journey of faith. So number four, it's worth it. 
leaving white evangelicalism or toxic theology or systems and structures of abuse and oppression is always worth it. Whether you unintentionally leave after getting fired or excommunicated or something like that, or whether you intentionally leave, it's always worth it. I have learned so much about my faith since leaving the old way of doing faith. Mostly, I've learned that my entire faith was steeped in white supremacy and misogyny and capitalism and colonialism and oppressive and toxic theology. But oftentimes, when you're in the system, it's so hard to see just how abusive and oppressive and toxic it is. But once you're out of it and you have a fresh perspective and fresh insight, you really can't unsee it. And my faith, my theology, my ministry philosophy, my entire worldview has shifted since getting fired. And I've seen just how toxic it was and still very much is. But I got my life back. I got my health back. I got my theology back. I have a fresh vision and fresh purpose and fresh desire and fresh values and fresh motivation for living in the world. It has been so worth it in my life to leave behind those toxic ways of thinking and being in the world. I feel like my parenting is better, my marriage is better, my ministry is better, and overall, I am so much happier. Again, that doesn't mean that life is easier because it sure as hell is not, but I am happier. And despite the heartache, despite the pain and the suffering and the trauma and the journey of healing, I can confidently say that it has been worth it. I definitely would never have chosen this path for myself, but somehow, some way, I have a spirit of gratitude and hope for the journey ahead. And I'm grateful that my story has played out the way that it has. So for me, at least, the journey has been worth it. So lastly, I'll leave you with one final lesson I've learned in the three years since getting fired and excommunicated. And it's this. A better community is out there. One of the great lies of white evangelicalism and toxic theology or systems and structures of abuse and oppression is that if you leave you'll be all alone. You'll have no friends, no family, no community, no hope, no joy. You'll just be spiraling with nothing to hold on to and no one to journey with. Truthfully, I've been there before. I know how that feels. And sometimes, probably more than I care to admit, I still feel that. But after three years, I can confidently say that my chosen community My chosen family is so much better than a performance-based, manipulative, and toxic community that I've been a part of in the past. I am truly known and seen and loved by people and do not have to perform for them at all. I can exist as my full self and not have to worry about being loved or supported or cared for. The downside is it's taken me three years to find it and it's far from perfect. Most of the people I've built relationships with over the last three years have those that I've personally reached out to or found them on social media, which doesn't give a lot of hope for the introverts out there. But believe me, there are people out there who have gone through what you've gone through. Of course, everyone's experience is unique to them, but unfortunately, a countless number of people have experienced spiritual abuse and trauma at the hands of the church. 
so you are not alone. There are places of rest and renewal and restoration out there. And it may take more time than you'd like to find them, but when you do, it changes everything. So don't give up hope. Keep going. So that's it. Five lessons I've learned since getting fired and excommunicated from my job as a pastor in a megachurch. As I said, it has been three years to the day since that all went down. The journey has not been easy, and it seems to be changing even faster than I am, but I hope that at least one of these lessons was helpful or encouraging for you. I'm not sure what you've been through or what you're currently going through, but I want you to know that I love you and that I am for you. I'm holding space for you, even in this very moment, to be able to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling. And if you want to share your story or talk to either me or Nicole about your experience, if you feel like you have no one to talk to, please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is in the show notes, and we would love to connect with you and hold space for whatever you're feeling. So with all that said, thank you so much for listening to The Ruins. If this was your first time listening, this podcast is hosted by me and my wife, Nicole. We are bivocational pastors and leaders in Spokane, Washington, and keep this podcast sponsor and ad-free as an act of justice. So if you're able to become a Patreon member and support the work we're doing, we'd love to invite you to do so by visiting our Patreon page below. This episode was written, produced, and edited by us, Joseph and Nicole. Grace and peace to all of you. We love you, and we'll see you next time.